This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Many of you I don't know, some of you I do, but it's really good to, to be here this morning and you know, have an opportunity to, to fellowship and, and to assemble with people that I know my son is going to be uh, praising God with and, and assembling with and the family that he's going to be coming to, and we really appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Um, Clint, I mean, uh, Dwayne, I've been talking to Clint, so Dwayne kind of put some pressure on me, uh, kind of setting up expectations, but hopefully... Uh, the lesson this morning will be edifying to you, and, and I hope that, that some of the thoughts that I have from, from God's Word will, will strengthen us in our faith and will, will give us strength in the kingdom and, and a longing for that place, as, as the, the song mentioned, and also in the things that Dwayne talked about, you know, the, the presence of the Lord. And uh, I hope this morning that our study will be edifying to each and every one. I want to speak to you just a moment about some, some thoughts around an encounter that Jesus has with a man by the name of Bartimaeus. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 10. And I want to kind of dissect this whole passage about Bartimaeus and understand from Bartimaeus' examples some things that teaches us about God through him and through his perspective of God and his faith in God as we study his example as he, uh, in, in, and that interaction with Christ, how he addresses Christ, and how Christ responds to him. So this morning, I want to look at this passage through the eyes of a blind man, because Bartimaeus was blind. And when we look at this example, we kind of consider the things that are, are maybe trials, maybe struggles, maybe difficulties for us, and then we put on top of that the, the additional... Um, infirmity of being blind that this man had. So let's read in, in uh, chapter 10 and verse 46. Beginning in verse 46, it says, Now they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they, excuse me, then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. And so here we have another example of, of Jesus encountering someone that had an infirmity. And this person asking for, for favor in Jesus' sight. And you know, ultimately Jesus heals this man. And if you look in Matthew the 20th chapter and Luke the 18th chapter, you will see this, this same example, but their, their variation of it. And in those examples, there are two men that are actually healed of their blindness. But I want to focus on this particular one. And I want to focus on, on how Bartimaeus addresses Jesus 
and all of the things that are going on in this whole passage and recognize some of the things that we can learn about this man and how we can be encouraged by him. You know, there's something very interesting about this particular account, and that is many times, in fact, most of the time in Scripture, when Jesus performs a miracle, it doesn't give us the name of the person that he performs the miracle upon. Now, in this case, Bartimaeus is named in this passage. I don't know that there's any significance to that. It's just interesting to me that that's the case. You know, the first thing I want to recognize about Bartimaeus is that Bartimaeus had a knowledge of the Scriptures. And, you know, you may be asking, okay, from that example, how can we tell that Bartimaeus knew the scriptures? And there's a phrase that Bartimaeus uses. I went too far, sorry. And, oh, in, in, in chapter 10 of verse 47, the end of that passage, it says, He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And where I want to focus on that is that phrase, son of David. Because that phrase, son of David, in various places in scripture means the Messiah. And you can tell from the context of that. And here, Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, my Messiah, my Christ, have mercy on me. Okay, but this phrase, also in various places in Scripture, refers to a descendant of David. So how do we tell the difference? Again, the context is part of that. You know, the New King James Version is kind to us. It capitalizes the word son, so you know when those times come across. But what did Bartimaeus ask of him? Bartimaeus says, have mercy on me. He asked of Jesus something that any other descendant of David could not offer him. And he recognized this man as the Messiah. And so from that, we know that Bartimaeus had a knowledge of, scriptural, of Scripture. I want to look at a couple of other examples that we have in Scripture where this same phrase is used. One of them is when Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the last time. This is what we refer to as his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And people are before him laying palm branches in the path, and there's people behind him, and all of them are praising him. And this is that example that's given to us, where it says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here again, we have an example where they're recognizing this man as the Messiah, as the Christ. You know, in one way we can tell from this is they use the word Hosanna here. And that word Hosanna means, and it depends on which lexicon you're looking at, but it either means, oh, save, or save, I pray. And so again, these people are asking of Jesus something that any descendant of David could not produce unless it was the son of David, the one that's been prophesied to come as their Messiah and their Christ. You go on in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 23. Here is right after Jesus has again healed another person of, of a physical infirmity. And it says, And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? And what they're asking here is like, because of what this man has done, what he has accomplished here, could this really be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? And I believe that that's exactly what Bartimaeus was saying. Jesus, my Messiah, my Christ, have mercy upon me. Another way that we can tell that Bartimaeus knew scriptures is he didn't ignore the signs. And I believe this is very important that we recognize when we look at the, at the different things that took place in Jesus' ministry. In Isaiah, the 35th chapter, in verse 5, there's a prophecy about how to recognize the Messiah. 
how to recognize the Christ. It says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. It says, those who are blind are going to receive their sight. Those who cannot hear will be able to hear. It says, this is how you can recognize the Messiah. Luke chapter 7, verse 22, one of my favorite passages about Jesus' interaction with people and Jesus' way of revealing who he was. So here we have the disciples of, of John the Baptist coming to Jesus and say, are you the one? He wants to know, are you the one that we've been looking for? And here's Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know, essentially what Jesus is saying here, he says, I am fulfilling prophecy. And you look at that prophecy from Isaiah chapter 35. He says, go tell John what you have seen. I questioned as I was going through this, would I have this kind of knowledge? Thinking about Bartimaeus and what he knew about Jesus. You know, when we think about the situation, you've got a blind man here sitting on the roadside, just outside the gates of a city. And we're talking about a man, and I know this is difficult for us as far as like thinking of this scenario and how we would fit into this scenario, because we have all of the scripture combined and very convenient for us. We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament, but think about Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had only the Old Testament. On top of that, he was blind. But let's just, take, let's just take the handicap out of the picture here, out of the equation, and just think about if I was standing on the roadside outside a city, and this multitude comes through, and they're kind of congregated around this particular individual, how would I recognize that he was the Messiah rather than someone who just claimed to be the Messiah? Would I have the knowledge to do that? Would I be able to do that? Would I have the knowledge in Scripture? And, you know, we say, well, that's the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We live under a new dispensation in time. That's true, but the Old Testament, what did it do? It guided mankind to the Savior. It revealed to man that he needed a Savior. And then it told him how to recognize him. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How did Jesus say you've got to abide in him? You know his word. You understand his word. You seek his word. And his word teaches you truth. So you think about Bartimaeus. Now Bartimaeus was blind. And, and we don't know whether he was blind his entire life or if blindness came later in life. But I envision a man that spent a lot of time in the synagogue. And other people read to him the scriptures. Maybe his parents. And you know, this is a lesson to all of us who are parents. We need to share the word of God to our children, that truth that will set them free. And maybe that's how Bartimaeus gained that knowledge, but Bartimaeus had that knowledge, and it came from the word of God. Bartimaeus was not distracted. Bartimaeus had his eyes focused on Jesus. He had a particular purpose in mind. He wanted to gain that audience with, with the Christ, with the Messiah. In John, the ninth chapter, in verse 16, we have an example of things that, you know, maybe Bartimaeus heard. 
I think about Bartimaeus sitting there at the gates of the city, and you think about what goes on in the gates of a city, especially in Old Testament times, and even, even during the time of Christ. You know, the gates of the city were, were where the, the, those that were influential, those who were wise, the men of the city, the rulers of the city, the leaders of the city would go and they would congregate and they would dus- discuss the different affairs of the world and, the, and, the, and what was going on in the cities and that thing. And I would guess that religious leaders would be in that group. You know, in the Old Testament, many times men were praised because they spent time in the gates of the city. And what that meant was they had wisdom, they had knowledge, they had influence. And so those that congregated in the gates of the city were those that had influence in the city. And another thing we know about those who lose one of their senses, and we've seen this in studies and we've seen this just an example of people who have lost their eyesight or who never had eyesight, their other senses are more keen. They're heightened, things like hearing. And I, I kind of try to imagine the things that Bartimaeus may have heard. And maybe he heard things that came from the mouths of the Pharisees and the religious leaders at the time, like in John 9 and 16, where it says, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. I have no doubt that Bartimaeus heard some of these types of, of statements. And maybe he heard both sides. You know, and this is right after Jesus had healed another blind man, a man that we know was blind from birth. And Jesus had healed that man, and he happened to perform that healing on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were in an uproar over that. He said, this man can't be from God. He forsakes the Sabbath. And others said, how could he do these things if he wasn't from God? You know, in that first statement there, when you think about the religious leaders of Jesus' time, that was kind of the strong point that, that they stood on, was that this man cannot be from God. They accused him of being from Satan. And you look further down in that passage in John 9, 24, and it says, So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. And they're going to camp on that. And it's interesting because they take this blind man and they basically put him on trial in front of the, of the council. And here, what they're basically saying to this man is, come on, fess up. This man could not have healed you because he's a sinner. So how did you actually gain your sight? And no doubt Bartimaeus heard a lot of that in the gates of the city. Every bit of traffic going in and out of a city, if a man relies on his hearing he's going to pick up everything he possibly can to understand what's going on and to understand kind of the, the scene and, and how things are being perceived by everyone. What's going on in the world? And if hearing is your only way of gaining that, no doubt Bartimaeus heard a lot of this. But you know in John chapter 5 and verse 36, it says, But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So here again, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know what, John the Baptist was a witness for me. He was preparing, he was paving the way for me to come. He says, but there's things far more important than what that man said. There are things far more important than the words of another man. There are things far more important than my claims, the claims of my disciples. It's the things I do. You know, that's another lesson for us as Christians. What's more important than us claiming to be a Christian? It's living the life of a Christian. It's the things that we do. And here Jesus says there are far more, there are greater witnesses of me. And that's because I do the works of my Father. 
Again, Matthew chapter 11 is, is Matthew's account of when Jesus talks to John's disciples. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He says, it doesn't matter what man says, it doesn't matter what I claim, it's what actually happens. And he says, no man can do these things unless he's the Messiah. Anybody can claim to be the Messiah, and many did during that time. Anybody can claim that. Anybody can be presented from others as having that ability. But I've demonstrated that ability. I've shown you that I'm that man, the one you're looking for. Bartimaeus wasn't distracted by those that were attempting to, attempting to silence him. Again, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 48, it says, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. This passage, or this part of this passage, really kind of hit me hard. You know, because when I thought about this, I also thought about the time that, that people were trying to bring their children to Jesus, that he would just touch them. And his disciples rebuked them for bringing their children to him. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10, this is just prior to Bartimaeus' account in this same chapter, where it says, Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. I kind of get the impression from these two passages that that both groups of people kind of had the same thing in mind. And this is speculation on my part, but it almost seems like they were saying to Bartimaeus and they were saying to these people that were bringing their children to Jesus, you're not important enough. He's got better things to do than to deal with you. You know, where that hits me hard is how I look at other people. And maybe I look at other people that are living a, a, a sinful life and I go, you know, I don't think there's any way I could reach them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe I look at them and I go, well, they've chosen their price or their, or their path, and now they're paying the price for that, and they're not worth my time. That's the attitude these people had. You're not worth the time of Jesus Christ. Be quiet. You know, and I, I have a feeling if I were Bartimaeus, I said this when I gave this lesson in Lubbock. Yeah, I don't like conflict. And I have a feeling if I were Bartimaeus and I hollered out for Jesus and everybody turned and looked at me, hey, be quiet. I would have gone, okay, did I, you know, was I out of line? Okay, I'll wait for another time. But Bartimaeus didn't do that. He cried out even louder to get the attention of Christ because he was not going to be distracted. He wanted an audience with Jesus Christ. He took advantage of the moment. Jesus was near. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6 gives a warning to every man about taking advantage of the times when Jesus is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's what Bartimaeus was doing. Bartimaeus says, oh, this is Jesus? Take advantage of that moment. Seek that man at that very moment while he's near. You know, another thing Bartimaeus could have been saying, he could have sat back and go, you know, this guy's been traveling around. He's gone to various cities. He's likely to come back through. But you know what? He took the advantage of that very moment because he was near. Jesus was present. 
He didn't know when there was going to be another chance. And in fact, that was the last time Jesus was in Jericho before his death. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. It says, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know what? We live in a time where we have an opportunity to seek God. We're still alive. In God's long suffering, he's not, he's not ended the world. We still have an opportunity to seek a relationship with him. Because Jesus is near. There may be no other chance. We've got to seize the day. We've got to seize the moment because this is our time. And as I was studying this, there are two things that came to mind of, of, of the ways that this opportunity could end for each and every one of us. And one of those is our own physical life. James chapter 4 and verse 14. Most of us probably know this passage. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, I think about the, the period of my life. I'm 56 years old. Sometimes I look at that and go, man, that's, that's stinking old. That is a really long time. But you know, we just moved Cameron up here. He's the last one of our children to leave the, leave the nest. And I think about his age. He's nearly 22, and I think, you know, it's been a long time. But with all of my children, I can still think back to the day they were born and holding them on that first day. It seems like just yesterday. Life is short. It's a vapor. And not only that, life is uncertain. Roughly three years ago, it's not been quite three years, but roughly three years ago, a friend of ours in the church were leaving their home to, to take a trip. They got less than an hour from their home, and a car crossed the road in front of them and had a head-on collision. And in that collision, the wife of that family lost her life. The mother of that family lost her life. Were they planning that? Were they expecting that? No. They weren't expecting that. And how many times have we read about or we've known someone who lost their life that was totally unexpected? Life is uncertain. Seize the moment. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 reveals to us the other thing that can happen that we never know, can't expect, have no idea when it's going to happen. In fact, it describes it as a thief in the night. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This comes in the thief of the night. Do any of you on your calendar say, eh, that night uh, the thief's coming? I know it's going to happen. If a thief's going to come and rob us, we don't know. If we did know, we would be there and we'd stop it from happening, Right? We don't know when Christ is going to return. Christ didn't know when he was going to return. He said only the Father knows that. It's unexpected. But again, through God's long suffering, he's delayed that time so that you and I can find salvation. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But today's that day of, sal of salvation. Today is the day to make that decision. Today is that day to commit yourself to Christ. Life's uncertain. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed lunchtime. I'm hoping, because I'm really looking forward to lunch, but we're not guaranteed that. Another thing I want to recognize about Bartimaeus is he had faith, faith that became sight for him. 
When we look at that passage, we go back to Mark chapter 10 and we read verses 49 through 51. Went one too far there. It says, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. There's a few things that I thought were very interesting about this portion of this passage. You know, one of those things is the, the people's response. <coughs> you know, and I don't know exactly how this, this played out, but here's what I envision. You know, Bartimaeus is crying out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And when Jesus hears that, he stops. You know, he's making his way out of the city. He's headed towards Jerusalem. And then he just stops, stands still, turns and looks at Bartimaeus. And then he tells the people, he said, send him to me. Have him come to me. And the people, they go run over there to Bartimaeus, and they go, be of good cheer. These are the same people that were just telling him to be quiet. You know, and I look at that, and it's, it's almost like they're saying, you know, it's your lucky day. You don't deserve this, but he's calling you to him. You know, sometimes I wonder if we're that way to other people when we actually get through to them on something. Well, you didn't deserve this, but this is your lucky day. God forbid that we have that attitude, but sometimes I think we need to question ourselves and how we look at and, t- and, and work with other people. And then Jesus asks them this, this question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus used this question another time in Scripture. That's the time when James and, and John's mother came to Jesus and, said, and asked him, to give James and John a position on the right hand and the left hand of him in the kingdom of heaven, or in his kingdom, I believe is the way it's worded. And he asked that question, and I think there's more depth to the question than just, you know, what do you need from me? Jesus didn't have to ask a blind man what he wanted. He knew he was blind, and he knew that's what that man would want. But I think his question is trying to make that person seek a little bit deeper in their needs. And he responds, I want my sight. Verse 52, I believe it reveals to us that not only did he receive his physical sight, but he also received spiritual sight. It says, then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. It says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And you know, that instant, I can only imagine this, that those dead eyes saw brightness and then they saw the face of the one who brought that sight to them. And I don't know what went through Bartimaeus' mind, but I think something that would have gone through my mind is something like, if this man can do this, he's got a whole lot more to offer me than just being able to see his face. And Bartimaeus got up and followed Jesus from that point on. When we gain our sight of salvation... Are we motivated that way? Do we immediately get up and follow Jesus? Your faith someday is going to be sight. Doesn't matter what your faith is. Doesn't matter your faith is in Jesus Christ or whether it's not. Someday your faith will become sight. You will see how all of this plays out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 through 11. 
It says, for we know that if our, our, our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we <coughs> excuse me, want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I want to pause there for just a moment. I want to consider what he's saying here. And he's talking to Christians at this point. And he says, you know, this habitation, this, this tabernacle, this earth, earthly tent that encloses our spirit, it's going to decay. It's going to go away. And while we're in this tent, all we have is our faith. I didn't see Jesus. I don't know what Jesus looks like. I didn't see the miracles he performed. Now, they're recorded for us, but I didn't see it. You know, I can't get online and I can't look up, you know, Verbo or Airbnb and, and find a place in heaven that's going to show me what heaven's going to look like and what I can expect when I get there. We have no concept of that other than what we read in the Word. And that's why our faith is where we find our strength. Our faith takes this tabernacle and it prepares it for the one to come. You know, when he says, while we're in this body... We may groan because we're not there. We're not there in the glory of Christ. But we can long for that day. Not that we'll be unclothed, but that this clothing will be more complete. That this mortality will become immortal. It'll become eternal. And on that day, our faith will become sight. Continuing on in verse 9, it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well-known to God, and I also trust are well-known in your conscience. Here's where I say, it's why I said it doesn't matter what your faith is. Because all are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now where it matters about your faith is you don't want to be on the side that doesn't see his glory after that judgment. Bartimaeus was a blind man. He had no sight. His faith brought about his sight. His eyes were opened so that he could then see the glory of Christ in the flesh. Truthfully, we're blind. But we have God's word, and the God's word gives us the faith to know that someday our eyes will be opened and we can see the glory of Jesus in his eternal kingdom, which is far greater than what he was on earth. We can see him then. But if you haven't made the decision to follow him, you're not going to see that sight. You're not going to have that sight. You're going to remain in darkness. In fact, the scriptures teach us that it's in darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, where there's suffering, where there's crying, where there's total absence from God, total absence from the glory of Jesus Christ. 
We don't want to experience that. But this morning, you can seize the day. The opportunity is still there, and today, right now, is that day of salvation. If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've not been cleansed of your sins through the waters of baptism, I would encourage you to make that decision today. You're not guaranteed another day. You're not guaranteed another chance. And if you are a Christian, and maybe you're struggling with your faith, maybe you're struggling with anything spiritual, I guarantee you there are people here that want to help you with that, want to encourage you in that, want to help you to find peace in Jesus Christ. If you have a spiritual need this morning, let that need be known. Come forward as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.